Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Personalized. I'm your host, Vincent King. Um, before we dive deep into the episode, I just want to thank everyone for listening and uh, you know, and and diving into the call to flame and, and catching up and seeing where Jamie is. I know, I know, it's it's it, it's been a really fun ride so far, getting personalized set up and and meeting all these guests and you know and, and learning different sides of this one. Um, so without further ado, I want to sh- let you meet Patricia Correll. She's an author here locally in Alabama, and we had such a great conversation about about you know writing and uh, a lot of video game talk and and a few comic and Star Wars talks here and there. So. Um, without further ado, let's let the episode begin. So, um, what are, you know, this, it's a Sunday. It's very hot actually here in Alabama Sunday for some odd reason. It's when it's supposed to be fall. Shocker. <laughs> That's for sure. We, uh, we moved here last year and that was kind of something we really had to get used to that it was 90 degrees every day for like five months out of the year. <laughs> Jesus, where'd you move from? From Kentucky. So we were still kind of in the South, but not this far South. Wow. What, well, why Alabama though? Uh, my husband got a job at the university. Oh, really? Yeah. What I mean, yeah. what is he? Yeah. Is he a is he a teacher or or sorry, he's, professor? Uh, he, his official title is assistant professor. He's actually a biochemist, but he also teaches classes. So, what do you do when you're not writing? I mean, are you do you assist him at the college or? Now, right now, I'm really lucky because I've been able to stay at home with the kids, mm-hmm. and one of them is in preschool for half the day. The other one is in for full day. So for the moment, for this year, I have about four hours in the morning when I'm not needed. So I do have some time to write and do some other things. Next year, I'm planning to get a job when he is in full day kindergarten. So that's going to cut down my writing time. But right now I'm just enjoying it. (laughs) Yeah, I feel you on that. Yeah, I work a day job right now, too. So like the only time I actually have time to write is when I come home um, and I have a few hours to to do a little bit of writing, a little bit of whatever I need to do for podcasting. I try to put at least a day in on the weekend, but it's it's hard when trying to be a relationship and trying to live a personal life. So right. you're yeah, probably exhausted too after working all day. Yeah, but I mean, like, I enjoy knowing or planning, knowing that I'm gonna have a whole day to write stuff, and then when that day comes, I'm like, all right, let's start working on things, and I get like one or two tasks out there. I'm like, all right, I think I can wait till another day to work on more. <laughs> But it's the worst idea. That's sort of the thing. <laughs> yeah, if you have a family or a spouse or a job or anything, people think that to write, you have to like lock yourself in the garret for hours at a time and get the muse to come in. And really, you kind of just have to learn to write on the fly. Like if you have 15 minutes, you've got to use those 15 minutes to write something down. What's, uh, what's your writing process like? I mean, how do you do you sit down with just with silence or how do you do it? I, I really like to listen to murder podcasts. So usually when I'm writing, I've got some guy talking in my ear about how the serial killer dismembered his victims. <laughs> no shit. While you're writing, like physically writing. Yes, that's very weird. Um, I like music, too. But really, I can't listen to the podcasts when my kids are at home. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when I do it. Wow, that's crazy. It doesn't distract you at all. Um, not particularly. I usually have a pretty good idea of what I'm going to be writing when I sit down. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of go with that. And then these guys are in the background, sometimes women in the background talking about murders. Um, it's not all that. I like stuff like uh, lore, unexplained, sort of like the paranormal oddities podcasts too. So it's not all murder. <laughs> I also listened to Welcome to Night Vale like six years after everybody else listens to it. <laughs> but um, It's hard for me to listen to fictional podcasts mm-hmm. because I want to follow the story. Whereas with true crime stuff, I usually have some background knowledge of it anyway, so it's just kind of background noise. Oh. But with fictional podcasts, I feel like I really want to follow what's going on. What's been uh oh man, I don't even know. This is <laughs> what's been your favorite, I guess, true crime one. 
Um, I'm a big fan. There was an Australian podcast called Case File. Mm. And the guy who does the narration has this really thick Australian accent, and he sounds really intimidating and kind of scary. And he's just kind of fun to have in the background, especially if I'm writing something that's kind of dark. Wow. You know, it's, it's, everyone has their own process, you know, and I'm, I wouldn't say I'm generic because I think more than enough, I've had people tell me that they've, they, they like silence. They, uh, I think I had a, a guy tell me one time he, he likes to write in coffee shops where there's humans walking around, but uh, I just have to have music. I don't, the background doesn't per se bother me as long as the people aren't trying to talk to me, uh, AKA my fiance while I'm working with headphones <laughs> on and I, all I have is music blaring. and I just look up to see her mouth just moving <laughs> and I have to stop everything I'm doing in my process to see what she's saying. Yeah. Luckily, um, yeah, like, like I said, I can write when everybody else is gone for a little bit. So that's mm-hmm. very helpful. Otherwise, for some reason, I guess fathers probably get this too. But the minute anybody needs to find something or they need something fixed, like you're you're supposed to drop everything and and go do it. <laughs> I guess there was some kind of like contract you sign when you have kids. Yeah. I can't tell you how many, like, uh, especially lately or this past year when I'm getting bigger into the podcast and stuff with writing and meetings and even now recordings, how many times people wait until it feels like people wait until like I'm in the middle of that to call me or come through, come to my house or even knock on my door. Like even just the minor things, they wait until I'm, I don't want the world around me. (laughs) It does feel like that. We have a cat and he kind of stays to himself but like the minute I sit down especially if I have a notebook because for some reason he loves to sit on paper he's like all over me <laughs> so you know when we were earlier talking about our uh, our spouses your your husband if I remember right did didn't he assist you with some of your your books um not writing but maybe was it some of the uh, artwork or something I know you said he had helped not so much that we we recently put in a submission to the black library which is the warhammer they published like all of the Warhammer novels. Oh. And they had an open submission. We got to come back to Warhammer. We got to come back to Warhammer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know much about it. Um, I have a Seraphon army that I'm painting, but I haven't actually played it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's Age of Sigmar. But he suggested that I might be interested in the Sisters of Battle. And the theme of the submission was supposed to be like a group of people and how they interact, which is kind of what I love to write. And so I looked at these women, the Sisters of Battle, and I said, yes, these are my women. So he helped me sort of put together a submission. So, yeah, I did a lot of research on them. That was a lot of fun. You know, there's probably about a thousand people who've sent in missions. So it's a very slim chance of us getting picked. But I'm very proud of what we did anyway, because we kind of threw it together in a couple weeks. And I had to do a lot of reading. And he kind of went over everything and fixed all of my all of my mistakes and details and stuff I didn't know. So I think we worked really well together. Does he, does he do any of the, uh, the, any writing at all? Or, or is he just leave that all? Do you? No, he's, he writes, he doesn't really have a lot of time to write, unfortunately, because he has great ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually wrote a flash fiction story called Squealer. And there's a scientific journal called nature. That's really famous. And on the back page, because the editor is apparently a big science fiction fan, they have um, flash fiction that people can submit. And they've had authors like Frederick Pohl had a story there, so like big names. And he submitted a short story and got published on the back page of Nature. So I was very, very proud of that because that is not easy to do. And um, yeah, he, he has like files where he writes down all his ideas. He just hasn't had time to really work them into anything yet. Hmm. And I told him, you know, if you die, you need to show me where these files are. So if you die, I can go get your ideas and write them for you because it's a shame if they never come to fruition. And, you know, it's nice looking out. I know, you know, Brendalyn, she does a little bit of uh, a little bit of art. She doesn't she doesn't really I wouldn't say not talk about it. But she doesn't really uh, show a lot of it, but she has like. I want to say four could be more at least just filled up uh books of just all her drawings and paintings and stuff oh, that's awesome. and when she listens to this she's gonna she might she might like lock them up but uh <laughs> when i tend to like talking to people about them I'll, I'll go flip through i'm like hey you gotta see this when she done and i'll, I'll take a little picture i'll close it and try to put it back as if she didn't see it move before you know and and everyone when they see you know they love they love what she done she's just uh she doesn't like she doesn't like really talking about it and she doesn't have a lot of time to do a lot of it anymore because of 
uh, her two jobs and her trying to better herself and get ready for the wedding and everything. It's just so much stuff. And where me, I just, all I want is a day to just work on my things. But then again, I'll just end up just sitting on my game console. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> do you, do you draw or do any art yourself? Not really. Um, I draw little like cartoon animals and Pokemon and stuff to put in my kids' lunchboxes. That's about it. My husband says they're really cute and you have a lot of character, but I'm certainly not like an artist. <laughs> I remember earlier before she was leaving for work, I was telling her, um, you know, I was like, you know, I was telling her what's going on, what I got today. And I said, I had an interview with you. I was like, do you remember, uh, you know, we met at the sci-fi con. I was like, oh, you know what? And her book, uh, one of the books she's reading is set like beside the chair in the living room. And I was like, here, the bookmark. You remember that? She's like, oh yeah, <laughs> I remember her now. <laughs> Yes, I very much enjoyed staring at you across the aisle for three days. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, was that your first convention that you'd been to? No, oh, okay. no, it, it looked like it. It looked like it didn't. You're a pro now. Uh, I usually, I usually had. Well, I usually have her there with uh, to assist things when I'm busy talking to people and stuff. So, my other novel I have published right now, I took it off the shelves because. We're mixing it in with my next novel, oh. so to make it like a collection. So I had to remove it off shelves. And to be honest, I've been so busy with podcasting stuff and and all sorts of vacations. And just this year has been like insanely fast. Uh, I've been in like several different little things I've been doing. And like right around the time that the Sci-Fi Con came, I it completely occurred to me. I was like, I only have one book. I have one book. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not backing out. I've already paid the P. I'm not. I'm just gonna go. Uh, I'm going to go have a good time. And, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't even really expecting to sell any little bit that I did. I was just more or less just wanting a presence and, and promoting, uh, dancing and unlucky charm, a few others. And I, I feel like I did more of that than anything. And, and that honestly made the time worth it itself. Yeah. But you get your name out there and people be going through their bag later and find your bookmark or business card or whatever. And you're like, Hey, I'm going to go get this book. Mm-hmm. So you ever feel like it actually works for you? All that money we spend in like, you know, getting getting things set up and you're like just watching them leave. Like they'll probably throw them away when they leave here. I had not done a multi-day event before. Um, just some like shorter ones. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. I definitely did better there than at any of the other ones. I think just because that was the focus was what I write, science fiction, fantasy, horror. Um, yeah, it's really just fun to talk to people. Too. And unfortunately, if you're any kind of like creative person, you have to have a brand for people to to kind of relate to. Mm -hmm. So I think it helps to have a face out there that people can can see and be like, oh, yeah, I remember them. I met them at whatever convention. Yeah, your booth was I mean, it's really nice set up. And um, I do want to ask, so uh, I think it's is it Unseen World that has that really awesome cover of yours? Uh, The pink one. Yeah, that has you on it, right? It didn't. Did I remember you were kind of t- saying that? Um, the pictures on the back. The cover was. Um, since I'm an indie author, I do my own cover art because I have no money for, for artists. It's a. Um, it was a public domain picture that I took and messed with. Oh, okay. That's crazy, but it's still really nice. Like it was. It was. It was really drawing. I really like that cover. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I. You know kind of going indie you have to learn to do everything I'm you know I'm not a graphic artist I didn't know how to format anything I had to learn all that and um Hugh Howey who was originally an indie author who was picked up later from mm-hmm. Wool in that trilogy he has like a whole series of blog posts where he gives a lot of advice to indie authors and he has some on like good cover creation and he suggested a free program called Canva C-A-N-V-A yes I've used that yeah so anybody who's out looking for a good cover creation program get canva because it's been great canvas it's really easy and simple to use i I feel like this is gonna be an ad for it but i i use that i made a few little promotional things here and there which have probably disappeared somewhere on the web for freebird along with a good friend of mine honor who um does pretty much all my graphic works if there's ever a graphics from me nine times out of ten he's done them he didn't do the demon hunter cover but he's he's already done the next cover for the next novel i'm writing and pretty much every podcast and audio drama and, and even like personalized, you know, he's, he's just been a good friend of mine. I met after I published Demon Hunter. Uh, he's, you know, he really liked the cover, which is when I, I got that, I published that with one of the many mistakes as indie authors will make with create space. The first cover they sent me was, it was more like a 
anime character in the distance oh. with like sun beaming down on him. And you know, you've seen the title, you've seen the book. Yeah. That does not look like an anime book. Yeah. So I mean, your covers are your covers are great though. So it, you, you, I mean, you're doing pretty well. How many how many does it take you to get to the point where you decide that you actually want to go with that one? Because I know it's not easy, especially doing them on yourself. Oh my gosh, my covers I probably redo seven to ten times. <laughs> And learning how to format was the worst. I cried so much over learning how to format for ebooks and paperbacks because I go through um, Kindle Direct. Mm-hmm. So finally, after four books, I feel like I kind of have a handle on that. But yeah, I, I make covers. I make three or four or five and I send them to my friends and my family and say, which one looks best? And so I have a lot of input on that, luckily. That's, that's awesome. I kind of feel like graphic like doing any for me like i can only draw stick figures being with so and doing any graphics is a pain in the butt to me but is if there is a if there's one thing doing your you know as far as uh, a process in writing and publishing you know as far as indie author which one would you say has been or is not your strong suit clearly it's not covers so (laughs) (laughs) um i really suck at writing blurbs um Mm, yeah, mm, it took me mm. weeks to actually come up with a blurb. I mean, you can write an entire book and then writing a 500 word blurb just destroys you. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? Like trying to describe your own book to somebody yeah, without. And make it interesting and not too much detail. And yeah, it's, it's crazy making, but you know, it's just something else you have to learn. Also too, like um, your author's bio. Oh yeah, I've written so many of those. I've, every time I write one, I changed how I want to write it. I've, I cannot think of a decent way of saying it. Yeah, mine are very minimal. <laughs> Just because if you're interested, you can go to Twitter and find out everything about me if you want. But <laughs> it's definitely a odd process of trying. I wouldn't say hard-ish, but well, yeah, it's hard trying to do handies. But it's 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 still. It still has its ups. Um, it has a lot of downs, but it has some good ups too. When you actually you know realize that all the work that you've done, you know you've done most of the back work for it, and it pays off when somebody says, "Yeah, I really enjoyed her. This looks great." Yeah, and I have a traditionally published book too, and you know that was a fun process. But right now, once I started trying to go indie, I'm really enjoying it. I really like being in control of every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So the finished product reflects entirely on me. Right. There's not anybody else who was really involved that, you know, I could be unhappy with. Now my traditionally published book, I am very happy with. I really enjoyed working with an editor and the cover artist. I got really lucky with her, but right now I'm just kind of enjoying doing it myself. And I still might look to be traditionally published in the future, but for now I'm just having fun doing what I'm doing. Do you have like a goal of do you want to be a writer full time or, or, you know, when when the time comes to your job, are you just going to want to just do it here and there and um, as you go along? Um, Writing is very isolating is the only thing. So I do enjoy getting out. Even if I was able to write full time, I would probably still like to have maybe even a part time job just so I can go talk to other human beings. Um, I'm kind of an introvert, but not to the point where I don't want anything to do with anybody else. So do you have anything that, you know, remotely soon to be releasing or are you just right now just uh, trying to gather everything together? Oh, gosh. Right now I'm working on a novel that I've been working on for years. Um, I have a novella that I'm hoping to be finished and ready to go out in time for Christmas. Um, That's hoping. (laughs) And um, I've got a short story that just kind of occurred to me that I felt like I really needed to write down. So I'm almost done with that. My problem is that I handwrite everything. I can't sit in front of a screen and type a rough draft. I have to write it all out first. Mm -hmm. And it takes forever. Like yesterday, I wrote for two hours and I felt like I was writing forever. And if you look at like the plot of the story, I barely got anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So I wish I could sit in front of a screen, but my brain just does not work that way. Yeah, when I first started doing the Demon Hunter and uh, the first Freebird novel, I did that. Well, well, a lot of it too, I was in school. So I would write in school on paper. And then when I finished, I would finally find the nerve to put it on a computer. And then I think around the time I had in the middle of Freebird 2, I realized I don't have to write physically anymore. I could just put it in the computer and I'm perfectly fine with that because it is such a pain of having to read the what I've handwritten and typing in. But I know that... It, it, it's it's also odd trying to get used to a computer as well <laughs> or doing it all the time on the computer. That's good. I'm glad for you because that's probably a lot faster. 
so I saw you're uh, um you're you're doing something with the the corpse eater. Oh, that's um yeah, that's my novella and sort of a YA horror uh, historical novella. And for a long time, I'd been thinking of a a sequel for it, but I had this weird little knot at the end that I could not work out. So it's been like 18 months since the corpse eater came out, and there's still no sequel. And the other day I was in the shower and suddenly like the knot just dissolved and I saw my way clear to the end. Mm-hmm. And I said, why? This is the worst timing because I'm already working on three different projects. <laughs> so as soon as I finish one, we're going to get started on, on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's it, fucking ideas are coming here at the damn this moment. One damn me, they did not make it easy. No, yeah, it's so annoying. <laughs> It's like when you're sitting there like at your desk and you're like, all right, this is when I need to be thinking things and nothing's coming through. Yeah, our, our brains hate us. They really do. Luckily, that's why music exists for me because, <laughs> you know, and I've probably said it like a thousand times and it's only like, you know, episode three, but it's it's my only writing process per se. You know, I have to have music so I could be in the car or or at work or or even in the shower and have music playing and then the ideas will come to me. But if I'm sitting at my desk and just trying to push it, I'm not I'm I'm coming up with uh, with crap, literally. crap. <laughs> yeah, I think that probably happens to a lot of people. For me, it's when I'm exercising because exercising is so boring that you don't have anything to do but think. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when you work out a lot of writing problems. So when you say exercising, do you do you go running a lot or do you work out of the gym or? <laughs> no, I think that there should be a like a phone app that projects a hologram of like Leatherface or Jason or somebody chasing you because that is literally the only way you will ever get me to run. <laughs> I do walk. I walk very fast. I really, really hate running. <laughs> and luckily Pokemon Go makes it easy because you can see how far you've walked every day and then you get little rewards where you oh, yes. Pokemon eggs or whatever. So that's made it much more fun. <laughs> My uh, my day job, uh, which is like you know remodeling um, <clears throat> uh, shipping containers or or keeping the maintenance up on them in the offices that that they form from shipping containers and stuff. And luckily, <clears throat> my whole day if I if I wake up that morning and set an egg to hatch, I can usually have it hatched by the end of the day. Oh, that's awesome! Depending on if I if I'm if I'm doing you know road calls or not. So it, I, I will give them that. That does <laughs> help me on that one. That's great because if I don't deliberately get out and walk for a while, then I won't have any distance <laughs> i have a very sedentary lifestyle does your does your husband uh do pokemon go or your or your kids do pokemon with you he does a little bit the kids like to help me with it but it's mostly me <laughs> what uh what got you into pokemon oh gosh probably my kids i didn't know anything about it and now i can probably name probably 600 pokemon <laughs> there's so many but they watch the show they play the games I went to Build-A-Bear for the first time two years ago just to get a Bulbasaur. <laughs> so I have a stuffed Bulbasaur that was my Christmas present one year. That's awesome. Yeah, it really sucks you in. I can see why people are so interested in it because there's so many different kinds of Pokemon. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at my stuffed Jolteon speaking of the Bulbasaur. <laughs> yeah, they're just so fun. And they're super, some of them are super cute. And some of them are actually really disturbing when you learn their backstories. So there's just a huge variety. There's something for everybody. Uh, so have you played any of the games? Not the actual games, just Pokemon Go. I feel you. Yeah. And if I play a game, I either want it to be a farm sim, like I play Stardew Valley sometimes, or um, something like Splatoon, mm-hmm. where it's just like constant action. I really can't take the RPGs where you walk around and then you go fight somebody and you take turns and it takes forever. And <laughs> I'm a very impatient person. Are you going to get Sword and Shield for your kids? Uh. So my older son and my husband, every time a new Pokemon game comes out, one of them buys one and the other one buys the other one. <laughs> I think the kid is getting shield, I believe, and the husband is getting sword. There you go. So that's all I'm going to hear about for a couple months. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of my friends, you know, who still, they, I stopped. I, I played, I think the last one I did finish was like Omega and Alpha, the Sapphire and Ruby, when they, uh, I guess, port of them or remaster them for the 3ds however people want to put the term out but when they did like black and white and x and y and uh uh what was the what was the hawaiian ones or the um oh um sun and moon yeah i i could not do them i don't i don't know why but like i'm so used to like the pokemon i grew up on and now like i'm seeing all these other different ones 
and there's always more <laughs> yeah it's just like i'm like no i don't want i don't like this one i don't I'll, this is not enough trap me but sword and shield have really called my eye to the point where they're like it's it's probably top on my christmas list this year <laughs> but i think i think i'm gonna get sword myself i don't like the uh I don't like the logo, the whole cover, or I don't. I don't like the the shield legendary. I don't think he looks so weird. Yeah, my son is super. Yeah, my son is super excited. He says there's like a pattern of when they release new EV evolutions. Oh yeah, and so he thinks so there's going to be a new evolution. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, he's expecting a new. That's one. what one of my friends was saying too, because I was like, you know, when we were discussing in our chat, I was like, I, I'm really gonna be disappointed if if for some reason. Um, if for some reason I can't get Jolteon because it, it it is my favorite and I I'm probably wrong but I want to say I remember I think I remember there being a game or two as a kid but I was also a kid so I wasn't that good at them but uh, where I couldn't get an Eevee and it was like the, probably the most disappointing part about it to me but Aww. um <laughs> but yeah and then when I was like well you know this is the seventh one so yeah you know new new Eevee evolution even though they haven't really announced anything yet but they I doubt they will. You um see Detective Pikachu? Yes. Oh my! I we, <laughs> I didn't get to see it in theaters. I wasn't able to because of timing. But a couple months ago, I rented it. Uh, and oh my god, it, it's better. It's better than I thought it was gonna be. Not that I thought it was gonna be bad. Um, the story wasn't. Um, you you could kind of see the story coming here and there. But the whole time we're watching, I'm like, look, it's that one. Or look, look. Yeah. Brendan's walking around the house like she could not give any shits less. She's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we did. Look, it's a Bulbasaur. Look, it's a, an Arcanine. And then I love Mewtwo. It's probably one of my very favorite oh. Pokemon. So I was super excited. I was, and I know this is, this is, this is also, I wouldn't say wrong, but um, I was very disappointed when I saw Flareon, but we didn't see another other evolution that I can remember. Oh, I know. I was like, I've seen every, every single Pokemon movie <laughs> that has ever come out just in the past few years. And have you seen the first one? Mewtwo Strikes Back? Um, shit. What was, so off the top of my head is from, I haven't watched Pokemon movie forever besides Detective Pikachu, but off the top of my head, the ones I do remember seeing, I'm not really remembering the titles. Uh, Pokemon 2000. Is that the one with? Um, is that the one with yeah, Mew and Mewtwo? Or no, Mewtwo was actually um the very first Pokemon movie was called Mewtwo Strikes Back. Okay, I might have seen that. I just didn't know the title of it. Yeah, and Mewtwo's trying to take revenge on humans who created it and whatnot. And there's this scene where Mewtwo turns ash into stone. And Pikachu keeps trying to wake him up and it keeps shocking him like, Pika, Pika. And it goes on for like two minutes. And of course, you know, Pikachu doesn't understand. And I'm sitting there bawling my eyes out. (laughs) (laughs) I never in a million years would I have thought I'd be crying over a Pokemon movie, but it was tragic. (laughs) When they, when they announced that movie, I, or when I first watched the trailer, it really it really took me in. And then when I realized that you know Ryan Reynolds is voicing Pikachu, and then when it occurred to me, and going back rewatching the trailer again, I was like, oh, now I see why a lot of people were kind of on the edge because all you see is Ryan, you know, see is Ryan Reynolds walking around. You don't really picture Pikachu because you know, yeah. But when the movie came out, I mean, I wouldn't say I forgot it was Ryan Reynolds, but the, he would, the Pikachu was so well done and so awesome. And then um, I. I'm not going to say it, but the ending that brought me tears that really. Yeah. And it wasn't even because it was so sad. I wish, I guess it was sad, but it was just the concept of that was really awesome. Yeah. And that was another thing I was screaming. I'm like, look, look, it's, it's that, you know, it's luck. You know, it's crazy. <laughs> I didn't, that really shocked me too. Yeah. I saw a lot of people bitching about the, the animation of the Pokemon and I do not understand. I mean, I'm 40, so I grew up in the 80s. And so, like, digital animation now (laughs) looks amazing to me because in the 80s, all we had was the animatronic creatures. So, like, digital animation is just mind-blowing to me. So I don't know what people were complaining about. I thought it looked great. Yeah, I I think I agree with you on that one. I I do. Um, To be fair, though, not not on Pokemon, but, and I I really don't want to put someone else's work down, but sonic was the one that came out that had like that that one where everyone like gas <laughs> the teeth <laughs> yeah that was it was it was horrifying i mean I, I gotta give it to him you know the guy came out and said look you know i'll 
I put my heart and soul in this, but I will will work on changing it, you know, for you, for the fans. So it, yeah, and you got to give him props for that. I didn't think it looked bad. It didn't look bad except for the human teeth in a hedgehog. <laughs> I don't know what hedgehog teeth actually look like. I assume they're kind of sharp, but it just looked really oddly disturbing. <laughs> oh man. So what is uh what is your favorite Pokemon? Bulbasaur is is my favorite, and um. I'll give a shout out to the Twitter account, Bulbasaur Propaganda. Bulbaganda. What is this? Um, <laughs> it's an account that only posts flattering pictures and like Bulbasaur merchandise and stuff. Wow. And um, I'm super excited for the new Pokemon Go generation because they finally have um, Lillipup and Herdier in Stoutland, which are basically dogs. <laughs> Thank God, because I was about to say, I don't, those do not sound familiar at all. I probably missed them in the generations. Yeah, Lillipup is super adorable. Um, Herdier is basically a Yorkie, like a little Yorkshire Terrier. Mm-hmm. And then Stoutland is like this great big sheepdog. Wait, hold on. So those are... Um, no, no, I'm, I'm not thinking of... Uh, didn't they, for Pokemon Sword and Shield, didn't they announce uh, or show it was like a Corgi Pokemon? Yeah, and it okay. has a little heart on its butt. <laughs> yeah. And they have a unicorn, like a real, mm-hmm. the Galerian uh, Ponita is actually like a pastel unicorn it's, creature. So that's kind of cool. I think I am so excited for the, the biggest thing for me is the effect that when you're walking around, uh, from what I understand, you'll be able to see wild Pokemon. Oh, yeah, that'll be fun. And then like just getting to sit back, like going from car and then coming home and just sitting back on my tv playing oh that's that's what i'm looking forward to the most it's relaxing in games to like walk around and explore Mm -hmm. worlds i've always kind of liked minecraft for that because it's like you can just kind of meander around and explore the world or you can try to survive zombies (laughs) creepers all that stuff i kind of just like to build stuff I don't know what I probably I guess probably Pokemon because of all the series Pokemon they have, but I've put so much time into Minecraft is just as much as Pokemon here and there. It's like having every Lego in the world. Yeah, you can do anything with them. <laughs> and it's too stressful for me to actually play survival mode, <laughs> so I just go around and build things. I think the survival mode to me it gives it more of um, I guess more of a meaningful aspect because especially when you're first starting out because you're like okay uh nighttime's coming i'll just like what i do <laughs> and i just fucked up i would just build like a little dirt mound over me and i would just wait <laughs> and then open it up i'm like all right still nighttime put a little dirt patch back to wait that's like a pleasant way to spend the night <laughs> it was not the smart i guess you're alive in the morning though so yeah but then i have to sit there and just like wait in real life compared to sleeping on a bed <laughs> Listening to the zombies outside moaning. <laughs> oh, they were creepy too when I first, you know, as, when first started playing as a younger. Way creepy. And that's another reason that I can't really play video games because I just get so stressed out and I start like screaming profanities <laughs> and I get really tense. <laughs> it's so stupid. I tried to play, um, I got Resident Evil 4 for the week oh, for Mother's Day one time. Yes. And I could not get past this one dude who had a bag over his head and he kept chainsawing my head off. Like, no matter what I did, it was driving me insane. So finally, I just had to quit because I was so stressed out. <laughs> I remember, well, first of all, like Resident Evil, I'm a huge Resident Evil fan of the series. So uh, it started with like Code Veronica X, but I didn't really get to finish them. But the first one I ever actually finished was Resident Evil 4. And I've finished that on at least three different consoles in my lifetime. Um, I, I refuse to get it for the Switch because I just bought it for a PlayStation last year. and was like... Okay, I don't need it yet, even though it is such a great game. But when I played as a kid, I played with a neighborhood friend of mine, and we could not for the life of me get past that guy as a kid either. That for some reason, it it was even if you were like you know you, know, you go straight to the house, you grab the shotgun. I mean you you get prepared, couldn't do it. So we would we would go and be like ask his dad, be like, hey, can you beat this guy for us? He's like, no, you guys gotta learn the hard way. <laughs> He's like, I've already done that battle. That's your turn. <laughs> Yeah, my kids ask my husband for help sometimes, and he's like, nope, when I was a kid, my parents didn't even know what video games were, so you have to do it yourself, too. And little did we know, that's like, that's not even like the tip of the iceberg for the, some of the some of the pain in the ass parts. Um, do you ever plan on going back finishing it? I don't know, maybe someday. Like, I liked the Wii, and it was a pretty innovative console, but the way that they tried to 
work the Wii mechanics into some of the games was kind of weird. And I think in Resident Evil 4, it was a while ago, but I remember that in order to reload your your gun, you had to like do this weird motion with the Wii oh, controller in one that hand. That sounds like crap. Yeah, and like playing, I really like Mortal Kombat, but playing Mortal Kombat, I think it was Armageddon on the um on the Wii, like some of the specialized moves, you had to like move the Wii controller around, and yeah, it was kind of weird how they tried to to get you to use it <laughs> in some of the games. I think the only thing on the Wii that really got me was. The Wii Boxing on the Wii Sports Disc. Oh, yeah. That was the funnest thing ever. I could spend hours just doing that over and over. Oh, man. We got even got um my stepdad's mom, mm-hmm. who was in her late 80s at the time. We even got her to bowl on the Wii. So, yeah, that was a really fun console. But, um, yeah, we're way past that now. Now we have the Switch. I love my Switch. Like, I got it for my birthday this past year. And um, I didn't touch my PlayStation much after that. I was, you know, I got sucked into... um. Breath of the Wild and Civilization and Pokemon comes out next month. I just, you know, so I ended up with everything we got going on in the room we need. I ended up giving my PlayStation up. And then one day I want to come back to it. But with the, the new consoles they caught coming out, I'm going to wait, wait all that comes out and then like try to sneak back in and get me another PlayStation and get me a pro at least. <laughs> they play some of the adult games I enjoy. Yeah, one of my favorite consoles is the GameCube. Um, yes. My husband had when we got married. And... So we still have it at my in-law's house, and we play it while we're there. And Soul Calibur 2 is one of the favorites. Mario Kart Double Dash. And my favorite that I've finally just taught my son how to play is Time Splitters. Yes, I played that one on PlayStation 2. Yes, it's so fun. And I finally taught my son to play it, and he was kicking my ass. (laughs) He's 10. (laughs) He never played it before. He kicked my ass. So around summertime, uh, a good bit. No, I guess it could have been like spring. Um... My coworker and a good friend of mine, I he didn't know what a switch was, or he rather he wasn't aware that they were a thing. And I showed him, and um, we went up to Decatur, uh, which for a lot of listeners, it's basically like two hours north of Patricia, and uh, maybe a little more for her. But it's close to Huntsville. Yeah, we go up there for work sometimes, and we got up there, and he's like, because I made a joke, I'm like, all right, let's get our boss to buy one of these, because they send us like for a day to spend the night at the hotel up there, do work on our um site stuff there where we have another uh, another drop zone where we just we have to like repair and do maintenance on the boxes in that area i was made a joke and i was like all right this is what we're gonna do we're gonna talk our boss into buying us a switch so we don't get bored at the hotel <laughs> that, that was that i thought that was you know that was the end of it we got up to decatur and he was like all right i'm gonna go go to walmart i'm like what do you gotta get he's like i gotta get a switch i'm like what <laughs> he's like yeah i'm gonna buy a switch and i was like i i i told him i didn't believe him until we were like walking through the aisles and he was like all right getting a switch he picked it up you know sure enough and rang out at the time though i was wanted a gamecube again because again that's my favorite console as well i looked up and i'm like okay well if you're doing that let me see because we let me see if i can get a gamecube as well <laughs> i don't know why we just had a day we're just gonna buy consoles there was a a really nice and well-priced gamecube at a local gaming shop of indicator and i'm like all right let's go there um but first let's stop at this pawn shop just to make sure we walked to the pawn shop and on there they had there. So they had the original switch console, uh, Mario Kart, NBA Odyssey, Mario Odyssey, and a few like a lot of cool accessories. They had all that there for like two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, man. So <laughs> he pulled that, went and returned the other one to Walmart. Yeah. He spent the same <laughs> and his wife called. It was like, why do we have two transactions for over two hundred dollars? <laughs> <laughs> I ended up. Did you get your GameCube? I got the GameCube. I, there's so there was this game called uh, Geist. Not a lot of people. I mean, the web knows a little bit, but anytime I ever mentioned it, no one ever knew about it. But it was a game I started when I was a kid, and I was like, I never got to finish it, but I really enjoyed it. You're like you're like a little spirit, and you could travel between bodies and stuff, and you're trapped in like this. I would say military base, but you're trapped in like. You're basically going around the space trying to get out, um, doing all these little puzzles and stuff, and you can take the souls of humans and objects and um, animals. I never got to finish it, so I was like, one day in my life, I'm going to go back and finish this game. So I bought a GameCube, ordered the game, finished it, played a little bit of Smash Brothers, turned around when I found out I was getting a Switch for my birthday, I went and sold it and got Mario Kart. 
Oh. <laughs> I, re- I do regret doing that, but at the time, I was like, I'm not going to have room for this. I'm not going to play this anymore because I'm getting my Switch finally because I had gotten so addicted to playing his, and I'm like, oh, I got to get one of these now. Yeah, well, ours is, God, 20-something years old, and it still works great. So whoever got it got some good use out of it, hopefully. Did you see that um, on the Switch, if you pay for the Nintendo Online, they have NES and Super NES games, like a little emulator you could put and play the games on there? Yeah. Yeah, I've played some of those. I've been trying for years to beat Super Mario 3. (laughs) (laughs) And I still can't do it, but now I have a chance again. (laughs) I'm really hoping that they'll do GameCube. Like, I feel like if they're doing all these consoles, like, because I know it's not next. I think um, the 64 or there might be something else. But those are going to be next. Uh, if not that they are, but if they were, that's what I'm hoping would be if they just start doing that for all their older consoles to bring, you know, more people out. Because that would I would pay for that service and stop to have like access to um, more GameCube games on my Switch. Yeah, that would be great. I need to practice more at Soul Calibur, too, so I don't embarrass myself playing my son anymore. The new uh, the new Mortal Kombat's on the Switch. Ooh, OK. And so and actually so is Resident Evil 4. I bought one Switch game for myself, and it was Yoshi's Crafted World, oh. because I'm in love with Yoshi, and I loved his um, the Woolly World, and Crafted World is a lot of fun. Brendalyn bought herself the new Mario. It was the Mario they they ported onto the Switch. It was on like the Wii U at first, because she was like, I really want to play the Super Mario 3. Probably. Either way, she bought it, and she's like, all right, she you know she's like. All right, I'm gonna pay for the sixty dollar game flat out because I really want to play it. She bought it. She got to like some really hard. I mean, she got pretty far into it. She has not picked it up since. Oh, <laughs> I kind of do that too, though. Like, I'll play something for a while, get tired of it, go back. To Have it. you done Smash Brothers? Yeah, I uh, feel like Smash Brothers would be up your alley. I suck at Smash Brothers, but I like to play it. <laughs> I like to jump around with the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a particular favorite. Oh, Link is Link is definitely a mine. Yeah, I just kind of jump around. I like doing the like the really cute ones, like Kirby, mm-hmm. and then trying to kill people. My uh, my friend, his favorite to play is Kirby because he likes um, how he can just like you know suck you in and then just use your power anyways. Yeah, he's very useful. <laughs> yeah, I, I suck at video games in general, but especially at Smash Brothers. It's it's on my to do list to get. But have you tried Jackbox games as well for you and your uh, family? Is that a? It's a party game, but I don't actually I don't know if the, if your kid. <laughs> But that, that yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. Some games you're like, uh. Yeah, it just occurred to me when I said that. <laughs> Some of them are okay, but, you know, not Resident Evil 4. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I got to get better at video games. I just don't. You have to have priorities, and it's just not a high priority. Yeah. For me right now, I like the games where I have a farm and, you know, I have little animals. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like real life, only more idyllic. You can make money by picking fruit or whatever. Animal Crossing. I haven't. I know Stardew Valley. I know a lot of people and a lot of friends are like highly addicted to it, but I haven't played it. I've. It's on my. I promise you, it's on my to do list and my wish list to get because it does the artwork, the art style look for it looks amazing. Well, here's a funny story: is that you can like get a girlfriend or a boyfriend to get married in this game, like you can in Harvest Moon or you know all those other games. But this one, you can actually have same sex partners. So I looked at all the guys in town and I was like, I don't like any of these guys. I'm going to get, I'm going to get a girlfriend. And so I picked a little artist. And so we became girlfriends and I'm courting her. And then my husband was also playing and it turned out that he was courting the same woman. (laughs) So we're giving each other tips on like how to woo Leah. Like she likes driftwood a lot because she's an artist. Okay, thanks. (laughs) But he quit. Um, So now I'm a lot. I think it's co-op now, right? Uh, I'm not. I think maybe on the Switch it is. I just have it on my PC. I guess I. I guess I don't know too much about it. But I thought. I thought I heard it was like a like a major update for all, but um, that's still funny though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really want to play with anybody. It's my own little world. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about um, Animal Crossing? I've played like three or four Animal Crossing games. I don't know if I'm gonna get the new one just because I feel like. How much more can you do with Animal Crossing that's any different, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I had a lot of fun with Animal Crossing. I really like decorating the houses. I think most people like that. And so they came out with one that was nothing but decorating houses <laughs> for people um, called Happy Home Designer. So that was probably my favorite game of all time. But I don't have, it was a 3DS game and I don't have one. So I had to borrow my kids' 3DS to play it on. 
I didn't play a single one of them, but I'm hoping that closer it gets to more promotional stuff they put out that it'll like catch Brendalyn's eye because it's literally up her alley, but she can't from the things I've tried to show her, she just she doesn't seem too interested in it, but she likes the idea of all the animals. Yeah. I tell her it's fun. I've played several of them and they're all just kind of fun and relaxing to play because nothing bad is ever actually gonna happen. <laughs> I don't have to get stressed out. Nothing's gonna try to eat me. So when you're not <laughs> when you're not when you're not playing video games and not writing, uh what else do you do you enjoy doing outside of all that? Oh gosh, that consumes a great deal of my time. I also, um, <laughs> so my main hobby is a few years ago when The Last Jedi came out, they had these little stuffed animals of the porgs. And um, as soon as I saw them in the trailer, I was in love because they were so cute. So even before The Last Jedi came out, I got a little stuffed porg. And as a joke, I started taking her places because she's a female. And um, taking pictures of her doing things, like if we went to a museum, I would take her and take pictures of her enjoying the museum. <gasps> oh, that's right. I remember her on your table now. Oh, that's right. And, yeah, the porg adventures. And it was going to go, her last adventure was going to be seeing The Last Jedi. But up to that point, like people on my Facebook and on Twitter and on all my social media just loved it. So I've kept going <laughs> and now she's been all over the place and I'm to the point where I make her little outfits <laughs> because this is a completely normal hobby and I take her places and do photo shoots and yeah, it's, it's just a lot of fun and people really seem to enjoy it. So, so that's my main, my main source of entertainment <laughs> is dressing up my porg. Are you, uh, are you planning on going to Galaxy's Edge? Someday. Yeah. I don't know how people even afford Disneyland. <laughs> Tell me about it. But yeah, so someday after we save up for the next six or seven years, I would definitely want to go to Galaxy's Edge. That's pretty much the only way you could get me into a Disney park because I. If you go to Galaxy's Edge, you have to take your little pork. Oh, definitely, absolutely. And I have a bit of social anxiety around crowds and stuff, so like mm -hmm. Disney World as a concept freaks me out. But yeah, they they found the only way that would ever get me to Disney World was to make a Star Wars land. <laughs> <laughs> they may have announced it, but if, if they didn't, or I might have heard on some one of the podcasts let's do like um some slither of uh them building, you know, like their own um you know, where they have Star Wars but they're gonna do Marvel. Oh, that'd be cool. I I don't remember what it's gonna be called, but yeah, like so a whole whole land dedicated to Marvel from what from what I remember hearing. Yeah, because they own everything now. Yeah, that would like I mean Star Wars already has me wishing I could be there more than I ever did, but like that might push me over the edge to like sell like my left foot to go there. <laughs> That's cool. I'm not a huge Marvel fan. Um, I really like the Punisher. That was one of my first comics that I ever read. Oh, in general, like Punisher DC generally has better female characters. <laughs> and I've enjoyed a bunch of the Marvel movies, but um, I'm just not a huge fan. Brendolyn, she's a big DC girl. Like so, where. I'm big Marvel. She's big into DC. So like, and it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's what brought our relationship together, but it's kind of like our thing. It's like a war in your house. I know. <laughs> well, I wouldn't even say that because I do enjoy DC, but I don't know as much as I know Marvel with the same thing with her and Marvel and DC. So um, we kind of like come together on that. Like for instance, our pops, I have more Marvel. She has more DC on our little, like we are one of the rooms we have little rack. I got mine and got hers. <laughs> Most of hers are like, bombshells and mine's like some of the the mar my favorite heroes i'm gathering that's awesome i'm a big batwoman fan and so i was kind of i wasn't super thrilled about the tv show just because mm -hmm. i don't think ruby rose is a great actress <laughs> you know i saw her in supergirl and i thought you know this could work so then i watched the first episode and it was god awful so i'm very sad but no batwoman tv for me i'll stick to the comics I think the only thing I really remember her in was um, the new, the newest triple X movie. I didn't see that. I saw her in that movie with the giant shark. I can't think of the name. Oh, uh, Meg. I never yeah. got to finish. That. I saw a little bit. It looked interesting. I've, I still do want to finish it, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. Don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no Batwoman for me, but I have an unpopular opinion that I think Michael Keaton was the best Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I I'll go with Christian Bale. I'll go. I'll have to because I, 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 <laughs> I guess yeah. I guess just because I I'm I'm more or less remember more about the the Christian Bale and they the series like 
you know, how Christopher really, really like put those and, and it was just, it was such a masterpiece, but I, I do like, I do like those two though. And I like Michael B. Jordan. So anything he's in, is probably good. <laughs> I will say that I have not seen Black Panther yet. And the only reason is because it's like two and a half hours long. <laughs> and anytime I watch a movie, it takes me about four days to watch a movie. Cause I'll have, <laughs> you know, half an hour here and half an hour there. And surely the only reason I have not watched Black Panther is because it's going to take me like a week. I assume you're getting Disney Plus, right? Only for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series and maybe the Mandalorian. Oh, Mandalorian comes out day one. Okay, well, I may have to go get it then. (laughs) I heard it's pretty cheap, so. I think that what I read sometime today, like they said that some of the reactions have been like crazy good. Well, we're um, big fans of Werner Herzog, the director. Mm -hmm. And at the very end of the Mandalorian trailer, he's in it. So I think that kind of cemented it for us that we have to watch this. And I'm a huge Obi-Wan Kenobi fan. Mm -hmm. So anything he's in, I would love to see a series about him and his adventures on Tatooine. And then plus, you know, they're bringing, uh, I'm going to fuck, I always fuck up his name, but they're bringing him back, you know? Oh, Ewan McGregor? Yeah, I was. Yeah, he's really good. I'll say say Ewan. (laughs) I'll never pronounce it right. He's probably used to people <laughs> saying his name wrong. So, yeah, I thought he was really good. So I'm excited. They, and the list for that for that streaming is going to be like crazy. How um, I I still haven't finished the article reading of all the movies that are going to be on their TV shows. Like I'm I'm so excited for the older cartoons I didn't get to see as a kid that everyone talks about, like the Spider Man and the X Men. Yeah, I never. I don't think I ever saw those either. Yeah, we have like. I hope it's cheap. I've heard it's going to be cheap because we already have like five different streaming services <laughs> and like no time to watch anything. So, well, what I'm really excited about is, um, have you read the books, His Dark Materials by Philip Pullman, Golden Compass? I haven't read them. The trailer looks really good with the bear I've been and everything. I'm reading them with my kid and I'm so excited for this. <laughs> I think it looks really good because we really love the books. So. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad HBO has found their uh, you know, found their next big stick. Yeah, I wondered what they were gonna do after Game of Thrones, and I, what I really think would be an awesome like limited series is um Robert McCammon's Boys Life. He's actually an Alabama mm-hmm. author, and um Boys Life is like this magical realism novel that covers like a year in this kid's life, and it's fantastic. I just discovered him this year, and I just read that book, and I am crazy about Robert McCammon now. So there's your literary recommendation <laughs> oh wow um i want to say uh and they have another thing oh they're doing watchmen oh yeah i liked watchmen a lot i like the comic um the movie i liked until the end because no space squid i don't know how this tv show is going to work out so i may get to mm-hmm. it eventually but it's not like a priority for me to watch I think right now my biggest priority to watch is the new Breaking Bad movie. I have, it's on my it's downloaded. I might even get to watch that today if I'm lucky. If I get stuff done. Never seen Breaking Bad ever. <laughs> it didn't interest me for like forever when it you know like even like when it was going on. Um, but you know a friend of mine sat me down. I was like, you have to see the first episode. And uh, we were at this place. I watched it. And I was like, damn, that was pretty good. I didn't get to watch it after that for like a whole other year. But when I finally got access to Netflix and things finally started going my way. I, it was one of the things I made sure to sit down and binge watch the whole series. And, you know, from beginning to end, it was, I mean, it was great to watch all around. Yeah. A lot of people love it. So it must be really good. I just haven't like, we never had cable or anything. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the, if it's not on Netflix then I'm can't see it. <laughs> luckily, uh, luckily the whole, as far as I know, the whole series is, is on there. The only thing is, is like, I think I don't, I don't want to see <sighs> The the premise of it is um in the dumbest down I can think of to dumbest down is like a form of a chemistry teacher turns into uh a meth dealer, meth maker, meth uh Because he's like basically you know, ill, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It shows him like rising up and it's just cool watching him go from the from episode one to like to the end of seat well. Yeah, the end of the final season. So uh, I guess I want to close it out with uh, one more subject or, or rather one more question. Uh, so are you part of any, um, you know, any uh, writing groups? Um, I am. I When we moved to here, to Tuscaloosa, we 
I looked everywhere for writing groups and I finally found one. They meet once a month. It's called the Tuscaloosa Writers and Illustrators Guild. Mm -hmm. um, and they've been super supportive, um, great people. They like to be positive. So I kind of have to push them sometimes to, to give me criticism. Like, you know, I know it's not that good. <laughs> you need to tell me what's wrong with it. But um, yeah, I've actually made a lot of connections through them too. Cause um, most, a lot of them are, are published authors. So that's been great. Um, and then just sort of, I also, I had a writing group in Kentucky too, and I kind of keep in touch with them over email. And they've also been great about still reading stuff. So I'm very lucky to have, to have two groups that I can trust to look over my stuff and tell me the truth. So um, yeah, if, <laughs> any writers out there, if you can get into a writing group and you're comfortable with it, then definitely do it because they are invaluable. Yeah. The, uh, besides like, you know, online talking to people here and there, the one that I stick to has been like the Jumpmaster Press one. Um, and not just because, you know, I'm trying to work with them in the next novel, it's because they're, they're really good at, at what, at, you know, at the, at this group thing and really good at keeping people into it and, um, and timing. And it's, it's such a fun experience at the meeting, like once a month, um, days really defer, but it's that afternoon at, um, at the, one of the, which is slash Jumpmaster Press slash like, um, radio station that, uh, you know, Gene owns. and it's it's so awesome being a part of one you know uh sharing your stuff even though like most of my sharing is just me like trying to ramble on about podcasting <laughs> even though i'm still like have you worked in a novel i'm like yeah i'm, I'm i swear i'm working on it which i am <laughs> i am <laughs> i am i'm working on it yeah they seem really great like they seem like they can really get you in touch with a lot of people because they seem to have a huge network of people that they work with so that's always really useful oh and yeah it's it's fun um you know it, it, it's still like it's awesome that where you go you could find one to be a part of yeah definitely um libraries bookstores if you i was determined that if i moved here and couldn't find one i was going to create one because i've just found them so helpful mm -hmm. and so supportive in the best and you know of i've learned a lot for both worlds from script writing and novel writing to help out in both um, mediums as far as the actual writing process and everything. It, um, it's, it's, it's really, it's really interesting and, and fun to, to explore your writing uh, abilities. Are you wrote um, scripts for your other podcasts? Uh, for the audio dramas. Um, yeah. But for like this one and three husks, there's not really scripts. There's like notes, yeah. but, um, but for like the audio dramas and, if I had it my way, I would only write scripts, <laughs> but I have these <laughs> novels that I've started and stuff. And it's just, it's one of those things where I don't want to leave this earth without having these things written down. Right. Is it like a really different experience writing a script? Uh, to me, honestly, it's easier Yeah. <laughs> uh, than a novel, I guess. But some people may, may argue that point, but a lot of your scripts, you know, are for the most part, when you're, you're actually in writing them, you're writing more dialogue unless, um, you're probably doing like, you know, uh, I assume it's different for actually screenplays, but you know, for audios, it's, it's dialogue. And then you're filling in, uh, what you want the audio engineer or for sound effects or, uh, transitions. Have you ever tried to write a script before? Um, not for an audio drama back in college. I tried to write a couple for like short films. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I had a dream for a while of being a, a film director, but that did not work out. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I've done it a couple times, but really, I think I'm much more comfortable with, you know, not whole short stories, the description stuff. So it's, it's, it's a way different experience. And, you know, at first, like I'm staring at the, the script writing program, like, how am I supposed to make words out of this? <laughs> you know, and, and my friend Eli, who brought me in, he's like, you know, he's showing me, he's like, I can only remember if we were screen sharing or if he was sending me stuff of him writing when we were writing on Lucky Charm. And he's like, this is how you do it. This is how you form, this is how you format it. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to do it. I get a few dialogue sentences in. I get this effects. I'm like, now, can I get them? Can I write this in and write that in? He's like, yeah, yeah. Or, or no, you need to do it that way. And it was like, it was like a whole new learning experience. But after like the first three scripts, I, I felt comfortable enough to start doing my own. And then from there, I, I gradually grew into like, when I'm writing it for filling in for, uh, the sounds and stuff i tend to like 
for the, I guess the slots for it or for the spots where I tend to fill in a lot more detail than what's really needed for um, what would be an audio script, you know, filling in like uh, <clears throat> they sit in their chairs five feet from each other. The, the cabinet, your uh, just extra details that, that the listeners would never know. Right. But, and I make sure to tell any audience, I'm like, look, I come off trying to write novels too, where uh, my friends and publishers in the company have always stressed to me, you know, show it, don't tell it. So I'm showing you or I'm telling you or or I'm doing that aspect where it's I'm showing you what this scene is. I'm I might be showing you stuff that you don't really even have to work with, but that way you're in my head as if when I was writing it. That way you know to picture what sound effects in case there's things that I can't think about or I forgot or vice versa to to uh put into the story. Yeah, and I think even if you don't use it, and it's the same thing for novels or whatever, as long as the writer has that background knowledge, then it makes everything feel deeper and like more comprehensive, even if you don't necessarily put it in the story. You, mm-hmm. you know, you can just tell if like a character has been fully imagined or not. Yeah, exactly. So it's been it's been really fun talking to you. It really has. <laughs> Thanks. I've had a good time too. Hopefully, I will see you uh, at the next Hoover, Hoover Sci-Fi Fest. Uh, I I plan on coming next year, but I think I might. My goal is to have my next novel out. If I don't have my next novel out, I'm not going to do a repeat of last year, but I want to have a panel for dance in there, I think. Uh, don't want to give hopes up to anybody listening, but it's an idea because um, one of my voice actors lives in Prattville. Oh, well. He lives, he lives near us, but he lives in Prideville. Uh, and then another one lives just up in Nashville for, uh, for, for another, for like unlucky charm. And we were thinking about maybe getting with them, seeing if I can have one uh, set up for dancing unlucky charm, just um, getting to talk to some writers, some voice actors uh, and stuff and learning how it is with audio dramas. Yeah, that'd be fun. I think they would really go for that panel. And they're fun to do. It's just getting it set up. Right. <laughs> it's just getting with the getting the time, getting everybody together, and, and then like plus, uh, if I remember right, I don't I don't remember if they got the times or not, but like last year it was in July, or not last year, this year it was in July, so I think it might be still be in July next year. And then there's so much stuff I got going on, you know, and the weddings in like I forgot what date September. <laughs> September uh so like <laughs> oh my gosh I know right so my whole summer and stuff yeah you're gonna be crushed yeah my whole summer and stuff is like, that's when everything is gonna go wrong <laughs> and you're gonna have to fix it oh don't, don't even get <laughs> it all works out I always said like as long as I'm married at the end of the day and I get a piece of cake then I'm good <laughs> that was a really fun interview you know um Patricia is such a cool and amazing person we like we had said in the episode, we met uh, this past year at um, the Sci-Fi Con, and uh, seeing her and her, her books, and uh, you know, and of course her her porg is, um, she had it really nice, beautifully set up, and uh, and you know, we 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 went through the weekend, and it was it was just a really fun fun experience. Um, for those of you in Alabama who've never actually been to uh, the Sci-Fi Con, um, I, I highly look up uh, or I highly ask you to look up the Hoover Public Library. Um, it happens about once a year. Uh, it's a free event currently, um, and it's it's got everything. I mean, you know, everything you could pretty much ask for. I think my favorite thing I would say is um, every year they have this contest. You vote um on well it okay it's more like a bracket and you vote on your favorite subject on each on each layer and every day uh they take it in until you have a winner um shit i wish i could remember what the the past um winners have been since it's been going on but um usually there's a theme of a sort whether it's a a, a anime or a cartoon or whatever and they put in titles and each day you go in and you vote your your favorite one and throughout the day you know each one that gets the most votes move up and moves up until they have in the championship it's like i said it it's it's really it's really fun uh brendan and i attend if if i don't have a booth there we tend to go there uh every year that we can even if it's just for a day to walk around and and see all the other booths and see all the other panels and and just like i said experience just a really fun time so again look up hoover public library 
for the uh, Sci-Fi Fantasy uh, Festival. Uh, so if you're looking to get in touch with Patricia, you can email her at, and I'm going to fuck it up, but I'm going to try it, um, annacurry79 at gmail.com. I'm going to spell it out. So A-N-A-K-H-O-U-R-I-79 at gmail.com. Her Twitter handle is author underscore P Corel. And you can find her at Patricia Corel on Facebook and at Goodreads at Patricia Corel. Her books, uh, The Unseen World, Late Summer, Early Spring, The Corpse Eater, Peony Lanterns, and Beneath Black Ridge, you can find all on Amazon. For more on Gravity and Done and other shows such as Personalized and My Creativity, please visit gravityundone.net. So again, thank you listeners one last time. And um, I look forward to you to your feedback, you know, uh, leave me reviews, uh, hit me up on Twitter. Just, uh, you know, if, if there's a guest you think that, that you would like to see, see more of or, or hear more of on a personal level, just, you know, give me a shout out and let me know. Mm-hmm.